Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. We've been talking about a kingdom mindset, and I think that's one of the greatest needs right now in our world that we're in today, is to talk about that. Last couple of weeks, as you know, we've talked about the importance of a kingdom mindset, that our mindset determines our ideology, and our ideology determines our narratives that we tell, and our narratives determine the stories that we tell ourselves and tell others. Our stories determine what our identity is and who we identify with. So what's so important is I've just tried to lay this out in such a way that you can understand why it's important to have a kingdom mindset. And uh, we forgot to make our declarations. Y'all stand back up. I was getting right into it. Some of y'all are new with us. We put our hand over our heart, not to pledge our allegiance to a flag, but to pledge our allegiance to God, to say some things from our heart. So say, say this with me. Just say, I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I'm blessed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Come on, y'all. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. I declare that 2020 is double-double for me. Double blessings, double anointing, double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 6511, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed, come on, and highly favored of the Lord. Okay. Now y'all can be seated. So again, it's such an honor to have you today. Thank you for jumping up, jumping down, standing a long time, singing loud, and uh, just for being here. And whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert like me, that's somewhere in the middle. We're just glad that you're a part. You don't have to be loud to be here, but just know sometimes I get loud. And uh, I'm kind of passionate a little bit. And so uh, I want to talk to you about coming home to the kingdom. We're five weeks into our homecoming series. We've been open for five weeks, developing its kingdom mindset. And I want to read from Isaiah, the second chapter. This is a prophetic scripture through the prophet Isaiah. And I want you to hear this because this speaks to us today. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Mountain there means authority. Anytime mountain is mentioned in scripture, it it means authority. So the authority of the Lord's house will be the most important place on the earth. It will be raised above all other hills, all other authorities. And people from all over the world, listen now, this is the Bible, will stream there to worship. Hmm. I know some of you think, don't think anything about that, but I just think that's pretty crazy. <laughs> people from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up. Everybody say, go up. Can I just tell you something at Elevate Life Church? When you elevate your thinking, come on, you elevate your life. Here's what we believe around here, that God is waiting for us to think like him. The prophet again, Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the mountains are higher than the earth, 
so are my thoughts higher than yours. And then he goes on to say this. He said, let me explain it. As the rain comes down and does not go back up, but waters the earth, so is my word that goes forth, that will not return void. I will make it produce. Can I just tell you, as we, as we go up to the mountain of the Lord, as we go up to God's way of thinking, that's what we're striving to do in this church. As we go up, then I believe, according to what the Bible says, he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem. So in developing a kingdom mindset, I'm gonna jump right into this. First thing is make the Lord's house your most important place on the earth. I know this is very difficult for us to understand. What do you mean make God's house the most important place on the earth? I mean, my house is the most important place on the earth. No, let me just tell you something. God's house is the most important place in the earth. Why why is God's house the most important place on the earth? Listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you now. This cathedral that we've built is the physical representation of the presence of God in Frisco, Texas. It is more important than the banks. Nobody thinks this way because nobody thinks what the Bible says. It's more important than the hotels. It's more important than your business. In fact, in the last days, the mountain, the authority of the Lord's house will be the most important place in the earth. And the whole world, all nations will stream there. Watch this now. So that God can teach us his ways and we can walk in his paths. But let me, let me just expound a little bit. Jesus' great-great-grandfather David, Psalms 84. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord. My soul, my inner self, my mind, my will, my emotions longs for and greatly desires the courts of my Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord, my King and my God. Listen now, because this is where it gets good. Blessed and greatly favored are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. Welcome to the house of God. Blessed and highly favored are you just because you're here. They will be singing your praises all day long. Selah, S-E-L-A-H. By the way, this week uh, is, is my mastermind week. My mastermind week is where I do six masterminds in three different states. And uh, I have the privilege to coach people in business and in their lives personally. And if you're interested in that, Paige, is that, where is Paige? Paige, are you in here somewhere? Paige, stand up. Where are you? Oh, you're way up there somewhere. There you are. That's Paige. Paige is going to be in the lobby today. If you want to be a guest in one of my masterminds this week, see her. She'll be in the lobby this week. If you own a business, if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, if you're a CEO, if you're in the C-suite, uh, and you want to personally grow and develop, this, this is what I, I take one week every six weeks and I coach people. So it's, it's dozens and dozens, hundreds of people actually. So I want to encourage you if you, if you want that to, to get that, but it's not for everybody, but it is for, for some, some people because here's the bottom line. What's important for us to understand is that the blessing and favor that come on our lives come on our lives because from a house like this, not just this house, but from a house like this, 
you learn about family, you learn about marriage, you learn about money, you learn about business, you learn about, uh, again, uh, what the world calls leveling up. You, you learn what it's like to, to, to go to the next level. And we, part of my passion, part of my desire, and part of my calling is to help people grow there before they go there. So you've got to grow there before you go there. You can have all kinds of dreams. You can have all kinds of desires that you want, but you've got to get into a place and you've got to get around people that help you grow to where you want to go. You just don't get to go. Because even if you go there and you're not ready for there, you can't sustain it. A lot of people build institutions, they build buildings, they build businesses, they build houses that they cannot sustain. Why? Because they're living to the max. We live in a city. We live in Frisco, Texas, which Forbes magazine says is the most desirable city to live in in America. That means in the world. We're right in the middle of it, all right? So we live in the most prosperous city in America. That means one of the most prosperous cities in the world. It was prophesied or prognosticated. I prophesied it, but it was prognosticated by futurists. When we came here 20 years ago, there was 28,000 people that Frisco would grow to be 250,000 people. People couldn't imagine that. Well, guess what? Now it's gone up to 350 to 400,000. It will be a major city in the United States of America, but it will be a major place where, again, as many as 10 years ago and 20 years ago when I was prophesying it, that for the next 20 years, this is exactly what I said, for the next 20 years, years, this is going to be the place to be for people who are in business and who want to take their lives to the next level. And look what the Lord has done. So he established his house in that place before that ever happened. This was a cow town, y'all. Is there anybody in this room that actually was born in Frisco, Texas? Could I see your hands? Just look around. Let's give those two people a big hand. In the last days, God will raise up his mountain. He will raise up his church and people from all nations. They think they're coming to Frisco to take a swing at the bat. They think they're coming to this place for their opportunity. But maybe God is assembling a group of people that are gonna be a part of the next thing that he does in the world through Frisco, Texas and Elevate Life Church. Maybe, let's dream it. Let's believe it. If you're watching, come on. Got a knock on my door yesterday, and I won't go into all the details, but it was a new neighbor. They moved here from California. So I looked at him, and I said, I want to welcome you to Texas. Don't bring your California vote here. Do not do that. You can come here. They're just going, oh, okay. They're probably watching right now because then I invite I'm a pastor. What? Oh. Don't come here because it's better and then vote the same way and make Texas a California when it comes time. Don't do it. Don't do it. Some people say, well, you shouldn't talk about politics in church. Oh, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about policy. There's a big difference. You see, biblical, this is how it works. I'm going to talk about this in the next few weeks. Biblical morality determines Christian polity. Look up the word polity if you don't know what polity means. 
Polity determines what your politics should be, not an ideology. And is it based as much as you can on biblical morality? So some people are freaked out about this. Like, Let's just talk about Jesus and talk about love. Yeah, while the world's going to hell, that's what we're going to do. No, you know what we're going to do? We're going to face it head on with the love of God, but with the strength of the word of God. That's what we're going to do. That's my mandate. That's, what, that's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, but that's my mandate. So you're not going to come to this church and you can say, well, we shouldn't talk about politics. Who, who taught you that? Where did you learn that? I'm not here to talk about politics. Listen, here's what I'm here to talk about. The word of God, and again, as much as we can, in a society that we live in, be people that understand that we need to be governed by biblical morality as much as we can. As much as we can. So that's all I'll say this week. Blessed and highly favored are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. They'll be singing your praises. Blessed, by the way, I, I got kind of sidetracked, but not really. When I got to the word Selah, because one of the things that happened through my masterminds, and especially with our elite mastermind, is I teach a Selah philosophy. Most people don't understand what that is. A Selah philosophy is a heaven on earth philosophy. In other words, discovering what brings heaven to your earth and then investing your time, your talent and treasure in that. So a Sela philosophy is a philosophy of what brings heaven to earth for you. It's very important. Most people don't understand that. They just work hard and they hope to retire, you know, financially independent someday. And what we, we don't teach financial independence. We, we teach financial freedom. So again, enough about that. But the point is, that's why I do masterminds, is to help people develop a philosophy of life in every area of their life. So, blessed, blessed and greatly favored is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart are the highways of Zion. In other words, whose heart, the Bible says, out of you will flow rivers of living water. So listen, what does that mean? Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. I wanna stop right there just for a second. That when you're in the house of God, guess what you learn? You, you learn to take your worst days and learn the lessons of those worst days so that you never have to repeat the same kind of worst days. Amen. Guess what happens to a person who gets cancer and fights that battle and gets over it? Headaches don't affect them as much as they affect you. Oh, you got a little headache today. Well, I just beat cancer. Here's my point. People that go through major struggles through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, the valley of suffering. Watch, God takes their suffering and makes them stronger. And he uses their own tears to be rivers of living water that flow out of them to other people. That's what you learn in the house of God. I'm just gonna stop right there and say this. Planted, Psalms 92 says, in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. What does that mean to grow in grace? The power of God to do things God's way, the power of God to do life God's way, not your way, not your mama's way, not your daddy's way, not the white way, not the black way, not the Asian way, not the... 
Hispanic way and any other race I missed. The bottom line is people just, they, they get stuck in their way and in their people's way. Because this is the way, right? Because it's kind of passed on from generation to generation until you come into the house of God. And he says, guess what? I'm gonna use your suffering. I'm gonna use your weeping. I'm gonna use all the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life to create a stream for you through your own tears that will refresh you and refresh other people. Wow. In other words, when you learn from your pain, everybody else gains from it. But if you don't learn from your pain, guess what? You'll be a pain to be around. People say, what is wrong with you? Well, I didn't learn. If, if they could tell you that I didn't learn from my pain, I'm just bitter about my pain. I didn't learn from my pain. I want somebody else to fix my pain. Planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish, growing in grace, the power of God to do things God's way. They will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age, y'all. Come on, I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. People say, you ought to dress like your age. What? 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 No, no, no. My kids go, you wear too much white. I say, my son wears too much black. Listen, son, stand up. Come on, stand up. This is how different we are. He wears black, I wear white. But I love black and you love white. It proves we're not racist. Here's what I'm saying. Listen, people can be totally opposite than you and you love them and embrace them and don't make it about color, clothes, preference, or anything else. That's a kingdom mindset. That's a kingdom mindset. So they will flourish, be vital, trust, love, rich in trust and love and contentment. Watch this, I love this part. Mike, I text you, have you read your birthday message yet today? Today's Mike's birthday. How old are you, Mike? 59, stand up. He's, he's fighting it too. Turn around, look how good he looks. 59, y'all. Some of y'all that aren't 59, just get with him. He'll tell you how it goes. He eats these brownies with California stuff in them. I don't even know what it's called, but anyway, it's keeping you young. It's keeping you looking good. I'm totally joking about that. I'm joking, joking, joking. But Mike, in your text today for your birthday, I said, you're a living memorial. You've become that. You've been in our church how long? 17, 17 years. But he hasn't just become a living memorial of the message of this house, but the message of the kingdom. He's prospered. He started out as a lowly veterinarian. A&M grad, bless his heart. But watch this, he's a veterinarian. Mike, you became a part of Mastermind in 2008 and you're doing a lot more stuff now than just veterinarian. But yet his veterinary business has grown. Now he's like a serial entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know what that is, go get some Captain Crunch and just pour it in there and eat it and you'll understand that's what a serial entrepreneur is. But anyway, Mike, the truth is, is that God has taken your life on a trajectory and in the process of you prospering, in the process of you being blessed and highly favored, in the process of you and your beautiful wife who's on the second row with your son, and, and by the, you, you're welcome to go sit with them. Do you want to sit with them? It's your birthday. Okay, it's your birthday anyway. 
He, he sits up there to protect me like I need protection. But thank you, Mike. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what we know. So anyway, his beautiful wife is over here with their son, Connor. Connor, you just entered your sophomore year at Dallas Baptist University. Is that correct? By the way, how'd you do in your grades uh, last year? Oh, 4.0. Mm. Well, well, in the midst of their, listen, in the midst of their trajectory, you know what happened to Connor? He got a rare, is it brain type cancer? Bone cancer in his head. They were in the fight of their life for over a year going to Houston every week, almost living down there so Connor could be treated. You see, just because you, like you look at him or you look at his beautiful wife and you look at their son today, you think, oh, they're just so lucky. They're just lucky people. And no, those are people that have been through it, y'all. And you never know, but they've been faithful to the house of the Lord. And the son that the enemy thought he could take out with cancer Got a 4.0 his freshman year, and he's on his way. That's the house of God. So some of you know this last week, Pastor Sheila and I were on assignment from God. Most people would say that this is the most important house in not just America, but in the world. And I would tell you, it is the second most important house after the house of God. So as you can tell, Pastor Sheila and I are pretty much by herself. I don't know why I had all these chairs up, but I'm totally joking about that. But you can count the number of people in the picture. There's about five people there. We were some of the first people on the lawn walking and doing what God had called us to do. So I want to read this to you. Honored to be on the lawn of the White House. We're here for more than President Trump's acceptance speech, but we have been invited to pray and to speak into the policies that will affect faith-based organizations. What I honor about President Trump is he specifically asked for spiritual leaders to be around him tonight, to pray for him, to pray for our country. I don't care what your politics are, when the President of the United States asks you to join him for prayer and be around him, I feel called by God to be a voice, not for a president or for a particular party, but for God, a voice to the president and to whoever and whatever that party is that ask for godly counsel. And now a word from our sponsors, which is me on my Instagram page. <laughs> if you have something negative or dishonoring to say about our president or my being here to pray for him, my page will not be a page for you to spread your dishonor. I love you, I love God, I love our country. I'm a spiritual leader called by God to bring heaven to earth, to bring his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can't do that by sitting on the sidelines, criticizing and being negative about what you don't like. For those of you that can and will, please pray for Sheila and I tonight. We're outside on the lawn right now, under an open heaven. God, move in Washington, D.C. tonight. So the greatest place on the earth is not the White House and it's certainly not Disney World. The greatest place on the earth is the house of God. I'm always amazed by endowment funds for universities. Just put this on the screen. 
Harvard University has the biggest endowment, $40.9 billion. University of Texas comes in a close second at $30.9 billion. Yale University, $30.3 billion. Stanford University, $27.7 billion. Princeton University, $26 billion. I could go on and on and on, but I want you to listen to me. I don't care what school you went to, whether it's A&M or where you went. It, it, it amazes me that people who go and pay for a very expensive education will then spend the rest of their lives endowing those universities oftentimes to propagate a godless ideology and fund it. And yet the house of God, people go, you know, I mean, tithing, giving God first dollar of every 10, I just can't wrap my mind around that. I just can't wrap my mind around giving to the church. Why does, the, why does this pastor talk about money? Let me tell you why I talk about money. Because I've made a lot of money. And I made a lot of money before I started this church. And so when I was 40 and already a millionaire, I decided, you know what? There needs to be a church that's based on a leadership culture where people can learn about money, about marriage, about family, about business, about their life, spirit, soul, and body. And let's create that kind of place. That's why I started this church. So listen, we came to Frisco. We had no idea what was going to happen. I've already talked a little bit about that. But when I talk to you about money, I'm not talking to you about money because our church wants or needs your money. Here's the bottom line. I want to teach you about money. So not just so that you're financially independent. That's where most Americans want to be. I just want to be financially. No, I want you to be financially free. I want the people that come to our church to get the tools from the word of God that they learn to utilize their money to advance God's kingdom in the process. Let me just draw a triangle for you because this is how money works. First of all, you've got to think. So think, be, do. This is philosophically what I preach. This is philosophically what I teach. This is based on the word of God. It's called a think, be, do. You have a philosophy in every area of your life and we can boil it down to three words in every area of your life. In your spiritual life, your emotional life, your physical life, your financial life, your family life, in your friendship life, in your occupational life. In every area of your life, you've got a financial philosophy that can be boiled down to three words. Think, be, do. How you think determines how you'll be. How you'll be determines what you do. And your think plus your be plus your do equals what you have. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. So listen very carefully. You've got to think honor with God, with your money. Not think, wait, now how much am I supposed to give? No, you got to think honor. And here's what God says. Create a margin in your life where the first 10th, the first 10th goes to God. God doesn't care about the amount. He cares about your honor because if you honor him, he'll honor you. Some people never get this. I grew up with a father with all due respect that never got it. He sat in church. He served on boards, Assembly of God churches, buddy. And he did not first fruit God. But guess who did? My mother. So my dad came to church like many men come to church today and don't even flip God a nickel because they don't understand his principles are not something you're going to learn at Yale, Harvard, Princeton, T 
Texas University. In the house of God, you're going to learn how to do money right if the person teaches knows about money. You're going to learn how to do family if the person teaches has a decent family. In the house of God, you're going to learn about marriage if the person teaching has a decent marriage. In the house of God, you're going to learn about business if the person teaching runs a business. So can I tell you, the house of God is a place that's more important than any school or education you'll ever have. So don't be a person that whines and grabs about giving to a church. Get a revelation. This is what's going to help your kids make right decisions when all hell comes against them. Not their little schoolhouse. Not their little teacher. Not their little diploma on the wall. But what they learn in the house of God, that's how they're going to be able to stand in a very corrupt, vile, godless, demonic world. You can clap, son. Because this is good preaching. So, a kingdom mindset is, your house is not the most important house. A kingdom mindset is the White House is not the most important house. A kingdom mindset is your business is not the most important house. A kingdom mindset is God's house is the most important house because it'll help you in every other house that you're in. Here's the last thing. Learn the most important lessons about life and kingdom in the most important place on the earth. So I've already addressed that, but let me address it one more time. Harvard isn't gonna teach you about spirit, soul, and body. They're just not. Do you know that 7% of people in our church have their earned doctorates? They could speak to this issue more than me. Almost 30% of y'all have your master's degree. There's some very intelligent people in this room. There's some people that are already millionaires and some people sitting here that are multimillionaires. And there's some of you that are listening to me right now and you're young. And just the fact that you're under this anointing, your future is gonna look unbelievable because you're gonna hear things your mama didn't hear, your daddy didn't hear. And I'm not saying it to be egotistical. I'm just saying in this house, this is like being in my family. So Josh, is it good to be in my family? Thank you, son. Just making sure he's listening. And it's good to be in your family because we're in his house. And guess what we want? Everybody here that's married wants a great marriage. Everybody here that has a business wants a great business. Everybody here that's in this house wants a great life. And by the way, everybody that's here, there's something on the inside of you that you know that there's more. And I just want to affirm in you, there is more. Don't feel bad about wanting more. God put it in your heart. St. Augustine said it this way. He said, all of us have some type of void on the inside. For different people, it's different things. But it causes us to search and it causes us to look and it causes us to, some of us to be, to to develop our full God-given potential as much as we can. Because we know there's more. Let me tell you, whatever more you see in your future requires more out of you. Let me say that one more time. 
whatever more you see for your future will require more out of you. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. So in the house of God, you'll learn about marriage and you'll learn about family. We have marriage classes. And the reason we do marriage class, listen, it's not about your marriage being good or bad. It's just about you being a part of something that, that watch this, you're, you're, you're ever growing. And so every Wednesday night, we have marriage classes. And listen, if you've got a great marriage, we need you to be a marriage mentor. But if your marriage isn't that great, listen, come on down. Join the rest of us. Like my friend Zig Ziglar used to say, I don't go to a church because there's only hypocrites there. Well, come on down. We have room for one more. So don't think, well, I don't, I don't really need to go to a marriage class because my marriage is good. That's why you need to go to marriage class because if your marriage is that good, we need some help with some people because we've got some marriages that suck around here. Yeah. And they need an example. That's why we have marriage classes. So it's important that you understand you've got to learn the lessons of the kingdom in the most important place, the greatest place in the earth, and that's in the house of God. Learn about job and career and money and time, past, present, and future, how it all works. Learn how to process. Listen now, learn how to process your own process. Let me talk to you about that just for a second. I don't have a lot of time, but let me talk to you about this just for a second. How long does it take you to get over stuff? Did you know that's unique to you? How long does it take you to move past hurt? How long does it take you to to really truly forgive. You see, you're really truly forgiving somebody when you don't have to tell somebody else what they did to you. How long does your process take between where you are and where you wanna be? See, the truth is John Gardner said it this way. He said, when you lose the tension between where you are and where you wanna be, you plateau. Some people cannot figure out, like, why is my business plateauing? Why is my marriage plateauing? Why is my life plateauing? By the way, if it doesn't plateau before 10 years, at 10 years, your business, your marriage, and everything in your life will plateau. So in other words, at 10 years and beyond, most divorces happen between the 10th and the 15th year. I'm not here to condemn you. I've, I, I say this almost every week. I'm not ever here to condemn you if you've ever been divorced and remarried. Listen, it's a miracle of God. If it wasn't for Sheila, we wouldn't make it. It's the truth. She's the best lover I know. She's the best forgiver I know. She brings peace to my storm. I live in a state of storm. I live, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, listen, my life is not easy and I'm not easy to live with. You know why? Because I'm pressing. All the time I'm believing. God, I've got one life. And so with this one life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, God, I need your help because I want to be a good steward. You see, back to money for a minute. Here's God's way of doing money. You've got to think honor, first fruits. The B portion, this triangle. The B portion is you've got to be a good steward. You can't run up your credit card bills. You can't buy a house that's too expensive for you and think, listen, you won't go to hell for being a bad steward, but you won't be blessed by being a bad steward. So good stewardship is very important. Watch this. And then the, the do is do generosity. So this is how it works. Think honor, be a good steward, and do generosity. I'm able to be a very generous person. Why? Because I honor God 
and I'm a good steward with my money. It's not about giving and how much you give to God. God doesn't care about your money. He cares about your life and what you're sowing is gonna be what you reap, including your money. So don't ever be confused. If, if, I, if I start talking about money, it's because I'm trying to help you. It's not because, well, we got some kind of need around here. Although we've got a lot of needs around here. Every two weeks in this season, every two weeks, for the last, I don't even know how many months it's been. How many months has it been, Josh, we've been feeding people? Every two weeks. I mean, 500, 400, 500 families every two weeks. Going to Oklahoma, getting food, ha- having people help us. My friend Todd Abrams, who's sitting right up there, I see your bigness, Todd. My, my friend up there with Icon Meals, helping us along the way. People along the way, just donating, doing, doing, just helping us help people. We are the church, y'all, watch this. So if we're not generous, who's gonna be generous? The government will be generous with an agenda. That's all I'll say about that this week. We've got a lot of great stories in this house. But I wanted you to see this one because this one for me personally has touched me deeply because this is what I know can happen for everybody who comes to this church. If they hear the word and they apply the word, watch this. I'm Wally. This is my wife, Sarah. We've been married 16 years, and we have two kids, eight and six. I'm an optometrist, and this is our eye shop, and we've been attending Elevate Life Church for a year and a half. Back in 2012, I was working out at home and injured my back, and that started me down a pathway of of chronic pain, dependency on pain medication, and constant use of back braces and Eventually, after several failed surgeries, I was unable to walk without the use of a cane. And ultimately, it ended with the big surgery. And after the surgery, I was unable to walk and laid on my back for 100 days uh, before I could walk. During this time, it was the lowest, darkest point in my life. I felt worthless to my family. At the same time, Sarah was dealing with depression, something that we hadn't dealt with, but it persisted. Even though we tried medications and professional help, uh, the depression um, was a cloud that was over our home. I thought it was just like, you know, just, you know, baby blues or, you know, I'm just feeling down today, but it was just every day. I was like, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna feel better, Um, but you know, Every day I would wake up and I just felt worse and worse. When you just are so down, you just, you know, I would just go to a dark closet and just sit there, just contemplate, you know, like, can I make it another day? You know, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. It was a a very dark time in our home and in our relationship. On the outside, we had all the, all the look of, of success, you know, we had the, homes and the businesses and, and cars and everything from the outside looked great, but on the inside, uh, we were empty. In April of 2019, we were in Frisco for a, a business meeting and we happened to be in town on a Sunday and I 
had remembered that many years ago we had gone to a business conference that Pastor Keith had, uh, he was the MC for it all day. I told Sarah, you know, I think we're, I think we're close to, to Elevate Life. I looked on the phone and we were pretty close. So I said, let's, let's just go, let's just give it a try. On April 14th, when we walked into Elevate Life Church, everything changed. When I walked in, I just felt like in my spirit, it's like home, you know, like I'm home. And the service hadn't even started yet. So um, it just felt so good. And when Pastor Keith was speaking, the whole service was just, I think I cried the entire service. And um, I mean, just like everything just spoke into our lives, like we were meant to be there. On that day, Pastor Keith was preaching and he was preaching that the storm was over in someone's life. The entire service was just for us from the start all the way through. And Pastor Keith asked if anyone had, was going through a storm in their life right now to stand up. If you're in a storm right now, stand up. You got something going on in your life right now. You know the storm, whatever it is, doesn't matter, stand up. Because just as quick as you stand, God's gonna do it. And I want you to lift up your hands right now. I don't know what your storm is, but if you'll believe with me and if you'll exercise your faith with me, it's gonna end right now. And this Monday is gonna look a lot different than last Monday. So say this with me. You're speaking to your storm now. Say in the name of Jesus, winds cease. In the name of Jesus, my storm is over. Come on now, give God some praise. Give Him some praise right now. This was the, it was the lowest point of our lives and of our marriage. That day was, in fact, and we stood up and immediately God touched our hearts. From that very moment, that was the last day that Sarah has ever experienced depression. After seven years of an intractable de depression, it was gone. God. God lifted it. Just like that, just in a moment. So we had no idea the first day that we visited um, what ELC would mean to us. It didn't just mean a turning point in our life that day, but it was a turning point in our marriage. It was a turning point in our parenting. It was a turning point in our business and how we conduct ourselves uh, through business and through seeking alignments um, that are kingdom alignments. At the time, we were living in Arkansas, and we knew from that day that this was home. So we started every weekend driving to Frisco from Arkansas. God has brought alignments, relationships into our lives that has completely changed our mindset. He's brought relationships into our, our lives that have helped restore our marriage. We're able to go through freedom classes and find out what true freedom from our past was all about. and. We're able to walk free from our past, from guilt and shame. We now know that life moves at the speed of our relationships. Um, and if you're going to Elevate Life and you haven't gotten plugged in to a freedom group, to a small group, to Elevated Marriages, I can't recommend that more highly.
It's the most important thing that we did as we started this process of, of healing and transformation. You know, I just encourage anybody like really struggling to just get plugged into small groups, freedom, um, starting point, you know, get involved with people who can help. Our response to God healing our marriage and healing our home is the action that we took to get involved in church, become leaders in giving, to join Freedom, to get into the Elevated Marriage class for multiple seasons, um, to get our children in the right place around the right people. If you're here today and you're facing an impossible situation that you don't see any hope of ever ending or improving, if you're here today and you don't have a church home, welcome home. You found it. Amen. Where is, uh, oh, I think Wally's here. Yeah, you guys stand up. I just want you to see these people because let me tell you what, what makes this. What makes this special for me is I know not only that stuff has happened for 20 years, but I know it can happen. After seven years of struggling with depression, they walk in and God does something in an hour and a half that medicine, doctors, nothing else could fix. That's what I know the house of God is all about. I prayed over them the first service, and here's what I want you to know that I prayed over them. Here's a guy who led his family from Arkansas to say, we gotta go there. He started a new business, but even before he started his new business, he became a part of my mastermind, said, I wanna take it to a whole nother level. And I've prophesied over them that they're gonna do in a week what used to take them a month, they're gonna do in a month what used to take them a year. I don't know how that's gonna happen, but in the name of Jesus, I'm prophesying that it's gonna happen over your life. In the name of Jesus. So what I wanna tell you, every person here, is what God did for them. I don't know where you are, but some of y'all are in a storm, some of y'all are in a desert. Let me tell you the word that the Lord gave me this morning. If you're in a desert right now, a dry place, a place where it looks like it's unproductive. It's just not working. I want you to stand up right this second, all over this place. If you're in a desert, you're in a place where it's just, it's not, it's not working like I want it to work. Just, just stand up right where you are. Because here's, here's, I had them stand first. You know why I had them stand first? Because they got through the desert. But watch this. Here's what I can promise you about whatever desert you're in. In scripture, deserts were the things that happened right before the promise came. So I wanna prophesy over your life. What, what does it mean when I say prophesy? I'm just gonna say over your life what I believe God is saying. And here's what I believe God's saying. Your promise is coming. Don't be so discouraged in the desert of what you're facing right now, that you get your eyes off of the promise. 
because God's word is always true. He is not a liar. He is a true God. And in this year of transformation, we are going from glory to glory. That means we're going from better to better. That means that God is gonna use whatever the desert right now is in your life to mold you and prepare you for the promise that he has for you. You know what's amazing? Watermelons don't grow on trees because there's no branch that could sustain it. Some of you've got some big fruit that's coming. And what he's doing is not just strengthening your trunk, but he's strengthening the ground that you're on to grow what he wants to grow in and through your life in the name of Jesus. Now I wanna pray for you. And I wanna join my faith with Wally and Sarah. I want them to agree with me for you. God, what you did for them, do for every person that's here in the name of Jesus. God, I speak rivers into their desert right now in the name of Jesus. I speak in Jesus' name that anything that's held them back, old things are past, and I speak all things are becoming new. God, I thank you that their promise is on the way. I speak encouragement into your spirit today. Wally was, he was, it was this, the worst time in their life, but they got with the right people in the right place at the right time and God did the right thing. So based on that word, the right thing is coming your way in Jesus name. Come on, put a big amen on that. Would you do that right now? Now I want you to be seated for a minute. I have a friend here sitting way up at the top. I see, I see everybody. And uh, last night he called me and he said, man, I just got this major IRS bill and it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the first part of his week, it looked kind of bleak. And he's a guy that has begun to serve God, has opened up his heart and leading his family in the ways of God. Then he gets hit with this hundreds of thousands. Like, how is this going to happen? By the end of the week, Ryan, where are you? Just stand up for a minute. By the end of the week, you had a friend who's sitting right next to you and y'all were talking about something in the stock market. Make sure I'm telling this right. That it happened in the stock market and you said, I guess I need to check my stocks. Is that, was that kind of the right, the way the conversation went? That's what happened. So you go and check your stock that you weren't even thinking. Now, I'm just asking you, were you thinking about that before these guys where y'all were talking about it? Were you thinking about that? So he's, he's with the right people. He's at the right place. It prompts him just to go check his stock. Here's what happened. While he's thinking, how in the world am I gonna do this? I'll make it happen, because he's a make it happen guy. But how in the world am I gonna do this? Unbeknownst to him and through his friends, just a conversation, he goes and checks his stock. What'd you find, now don't, you don't have to tell us the amount, but what'd you find out from a stock that you didn't even know did it split? What happened? Just 
Did y'all hear that? It was double. So, so Ryan, I have a question for you. Like when you hear me up here pontif- pontificating, screaming and yelling, double, double, gonna be your best year ever. Double good, double anointing, double portion. Do you believe it? And let me tell you something, whether he believed it or not, it's gonna happen for everybody that does believe. He just happens to believe it. Let's give God a big hand. Come on, let's give, because guess what? Guess what? Everything, everything that happens good for me is a picture of what God's gonna do that's good for you. Everything, everything. When you're in a family like this that happens for one, God says it's gonna happen for other people. Why do good things happen, Wally and Sarah? Because the Bible says when we're planted in the house of the Lord, we become living memorials of the goodness, blessing, and favor of Almighty God. So we're sitting on the White House lawn. While the President of the United States is speaking, I turned to Sheila and I said, I know what hell sounds like. You see, while the President was speaking, all around the perimeter of the White House were thousands of people screaming, yelling obscenities. It sounded like bullhorns, drums, loudspeakers. And I touched Sheila, I said, I know what hell sounds like when we're having church. Hell just doesn't get to be heard here because we're in the house of God. We're not outside. The Bible says that the devil is the prince of the air. But when you get in God's house, he determines the atmosphere. But I'm telling you, I had a revelation. Some of you don't know how hell is fighting against you. Every time you do something good, hell has a plan to take you out. We got up to leave the White House, as some of you saw the news, I know. And who knows, you may have seen us on the news. Because I knew there was a problem as we were walking out of the West Gate. We came in the East Gate of the White House. But as we walked, we're walking out of the West Gate, there were 50 plus Secret Service full combat gear. National Guard to our right and to our left. And we're about 10 yards from the gate to go outside. And none of us knew where to go. So Sheila looked at these two frantic, they were frantic, when I say frantic, frantic, Secret Service guys who were breathless. And she said, hey, can you tell us which way to go? And they go, ma'am, just, you can't go this way and you can't go that way. there's police out here and there's, we've got streets blocked off, but they're everywhere. He said, I'm sorry, we gotta go. And they left. Sheila and I were some of the first people to walk out of the gates and turn. And for as far as we could see, people screaming, 
cussing, flipping us off, spitting on us, telling us to raise our fist and say, Black Lives Matter. So vitriol. And I'm talking about, now, some of you don't know me, like I'm a sweet pastor. But if you get in my face, I'm just telling you, I will love you into the kingdom, but it'll be a different way. This is the truth. I know everybody's not wired like that and nobody's called to do what I do. But first of all, I want you to know I passed my test. Nobody got hurt and I didn't get hurt. That was a good thing. Sheila was with me and that helped me because I was there to protect her and her 79-year-old uncle. But people were jumping towards us, jumping at us, flipping us off, cussing at just every foul thing you can imagine. We walked about 10 yards. Police had the street blocked off. There was dozens of them at that particular place. We turned the corner. As we turned the corner, I was with Jensen Franklin, his wife, Ed Young, and his wife, Ed Young's wife said, let's stay with Keith. (laughs) So so, anyway, so I thought, no, you probably probably don't want to do that because right as, as that came out of her mouth, a friend that I just met, who's an author I've read for years named Eric Metaxas, who wrote a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's written many, many books. You can look him up. He started to be attacked. So I was on my way and two police came out of nowhere, addressed the situation very profoundly. And that's the way it was to get to our hotel that was one block away. They rerouted us a mile and a half and it was non-stop in our faces, coming towards us, flashlights, cameras, trying to incite us. And this is the weird paradox for me, is on one hand, I thought, somebody needs to be your daddy, because you obviously didn't have one, or you wouldn't be acting like this, because I'm just telling you. That was one thought I had, but then the second thought I had was, these are God's children. These are who we're supposed to reach. It's a, very, it's a very difficult thing for me to battle that. I'm just being honest with you. Because I'm a warrior. I just am. For God, I am. And, you know, I, I, I hear these people, these DAs in different cities, district attorney recently, even in Washington said, well, before we, you know, really incarcerate the looters, we have to ask them the question, did they need the stuff that they looted? So, you know, my question would be, well, if they rob your house, are you going to help them take whatever they would like because they might need it? Is that the thought process? Well, it's just, it's insanity, okay? So anyway, God protected us. God protected Sheila. God protected um, her uncle. But all around us, the Rand Pauls, the people, like we were all in those crowds. Just, it was that way the whole time. And I just want you to know, I don't tell you that because I'm angry at them. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm telling you is there's definitely a whole lot of darkness and demon spirits that are going on. And, and I, want, I want to say this to all my black friends, brothers and sisters. I believe all black lives matter 100%, but I am not for the black lives matter movement. 
It is wrong and they have a demonic agenda. And I wanna say that publicly. And I wanna say that they're anti-family and they're anti-God and they're trained Marxists. That is the truth. And that's what we're dealing with in this nation right now. And something is gonna have to happen where they are dealt with swiftly. And again, from our perspective, with love, but strongly. And we're up, we're, I'm just telling you, I, I've now witnessed it myself. Some of you have witnessed it. My friend Craig, uh, he and his wife right here in Frisco were at a gas station and a woman pulls up. She asked you for a thousand dollars. Is that what she asked you for? Asked for a thousand dollars when he said he wouldn't give it to her. She went crazy and started screaming, started yelling. The police were called. Then she accused them of having a gun. This is real stuff, y'all, and it's hitting real close to home. And I'm just telling you, we are the body of Christ. We are, listen, we are God's people in the earth, but we cannot be, we can't be like ostriches and stick our head in the sand and just pretend this stuff isn't happening. It's happening. And so, so again, I'm gonna be addressing some things over the course of the next several months. I will be in the pulpit, God willing, every week. I want you to be here every week with me. Let's make a premium, the house of God during this season. And as we approach this election, listen to me. As we approach this election, I want to say this to all the millennials and under especially. You cannot look at voting for a man. You've got to look at policies. And let me tell you something about policy. I'm going to just say this one thing and then I'm going to bless you out. We are people that are governed by biblical morality. That should determine our kingdom or Christian polity, which should determine our politics. So many people are freaked out because the church, there should be separation of church and state. Let me just educate you in case you don't know this. The separation of church and state was to keep government out of the church, not the church out of government. So, so I just want you to know as your pastor and as the spiritual leader of this house, I'm gonna address real issues. I don't wanna make anybody mad. I don't want people to be polarized, but I'm here to tell you, we're gonna lift up the name of Jesus. And while we lift up the name of Jesus and while we preach the kingdom, we're also gonna address real cultural issues and demonic forces that are seeking to destroy, not just our republic. By the way, let me just say one last thing about the, our, de our democracy. We are not, listen, we are not a democratic people. Listen, we're a democratic republic. There's a big difference. And what a democratic republic means, we don't set policy. We vote people in that set policy that represents us. That's the difference. So we think, oh, well, I mean, if the president, whoever gets the most votes, no, listen, we're a democratic republic. So we don't dictate policy and then vote on it. We vote on people who speak on our behalf. And you need to understand that. And you need to understand, no two sides have it perfectly right, but I'm gonna address it over the next several months. But here's what I wanna to say to you. As close as we can, and it's not about values, it's not about vote your faith, blah, blah, blah. There's faith on both sides. But what it's about is understanding policies that are important to you. And Nick, when I see a state that on my friend's church puts a sign on their door and says, we will arrest you 
If you meet in church, guess what? I look at the policy. I don't look at the person. I don't look at the governor of California and go, I like or don't like that guy. I don't look at the president and go, he's so rude sometimes in his tweets and he shouldn't be mean like that. And I'd never vote for him. He's irritating, agitating, whatever. I look at the policies that represent that person that represents as close as possible to my biblical morality. And that's how I vote. That's it. Not red, yellow, black or white, red, blue. I'm just trying to tell y'all. So that's all. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.